Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Our scripture this morning is a reading from Paul's letter to Timothy, his young friend and mentee in ministry, giving his best advice. We're listening from 1 Timothy 6, beginning in verse 6. Of course, there is great gain in godliness combined with contentment. For we brought nothing into the world so that we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. But as for you, man of God, shun all this. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and for which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. I charge you to keep the commandment without spot or blame until the manifestation of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the right time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. It is he alone who has immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. And for those who in the present age are rich, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. Next Sunday is the first Sunday of October. It begins our stewardship season for all the Sundays of October, we'll be focusing on stewardship. I tell you that this Sunday, so you'll be sure to get here early to get a seat. You know how that really packs them out. But I also want to tell you about how stewardship season this year is going to be a little bit different, not really around the themes of 
stewardship and generosity, which of course will be in there, but we're going to be taking a look at the book of Acts. The the first chapter of Acts says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And in many respects, that one verse is an outline of the book of Acts. As the story moves along, as the narrative moves through that book, the gospel does spread from Jerusalem out to Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And so in the month of October, we're going to take that theme, but we're going to do it in reverse. So here's how that's going to work. We're going to do it in reverse because next Sunday is World Communion Sunday. So we're going to start out here. And we're going to have a guest next Sunday, my friend, Dr. Paul Baxley, who is the newly elected executive for the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. And he is going to talk about the impact of our giving as it impacts the Baptist witness around the world as we celebrate communion next week with Christians all over the globe. And then we will work through the, the weeks of October until we finally get to the impact that our giving has on our local church and our local church ministries. So it's going to be a celebration of the impact of your generosity on spreading the gospel within these walls in Atlanta, the community, and indeed all the world. But today, I'm jumping the gun a little bit on stewardship season. It officially begins next week, but our reading today has a stewardship theme to it. So you're getting a bonus stewardship sermon. The giving this year ought to be outrageous. We'll blow the, we'll blow the pledge out of the water. And today's passage includes one of the most misquoted passages of all of Scripture. How many times have you heard people say, money is the root of all evil? That's not what the verse says, and it's not at all what today's passage teaches. So let's listen in. We're back in Timothy. Remember we were in Timothy a couple of weeks ago, this personal letter from an older apostle Paul to his mentee in the ministry. He loves Timothy. And like a good mentor, he is trying to pass on to Timothy all of the best wisdom of his living, of his watching life. And what he wants for Timothy is the same thing we want for all the people we love. Eternal life and true life. Paul uses both of these phrases in the passage today. And you remember from a few weeks ago that that word for life is zoe. This Greek word we used in another sermon recently, and you remember that this word for life isn't about vital signs and oxygenation and pulse and all. It's about life, life, abundance, fullness, overflowing quality. And what Paul instructs to his young friend is that the keys to eternal life and true life can be found now. So in that A part of why you got up and put on your shoes today? To get some glimpse 
into God's eternal word about what life really looks like and how we can participate in this kind of overflowing abundance of the gospel. Paul says there is great gain. There's great gain in godliness combined with contentment. But people who are consumed with money are constantly tempted and trapped by harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. And catch this, he does not say that money is the root of all evil. It is the love of money that pierces people with so many pains. This passage is in no way a condemnation of people who happen to be wealthy. It's not about the amount of money we have or don't have. But Zoe just can't be located in the life of people who are consumed by the desire for stuff. In fact, later in the passage, Paul does address the people who happen to have a lot of money. And he warns them against being snooty. And he warns them against placing their confidence in their affluence. But they are not condemned for having more than other people. Instead, the passage frames a perspective to shape how all of us, regardless of our bank balance, should relate to money and stuff. Abundant life, true life is possible, but it won't be found living in the lives of people preoccupied with how much they can stack up in the corner. I like the way Cheryl Crow puts it in one of her songs. It's not having what you want, it's wanting what you've got. There's a little Zoe preaching in that, I think. Paul tells Timothy to take hold of the eternal life. My grandmother in Greenwood used to use the phrase, take a hold of. Anybody else in the South ever heard that phrase? Take a hold of it urgently. Grasp it, snatch it, catch it because it's too important to let go. Real living, Zoe living isn't just a future reality. So take a hold of it right now. We can participate now. Mostly when we hear people talking about eternal life, we hear them talking about that out there, that in the future, in the sweet by and by. But Jesus says in Mark's gospel, the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus has arrived in our midst and participating in this abundant, zoe, eternal life, real living isn't about when the roll is called up yonder. We can taste the eternal right here and now, but, but, it means framing life differently. If you orient your life around wealth or social status or politics or family success or anything else, you will eventually wake up with dry mouth. John Claypool used to say, every success is like cotton candy. It's sweet to the taste, but it will not satisfy the hunger. 
Faith is what's ultimate. If you live into the abundance of God's hope, it leads to overflowing life. But Paul says, if you just have an insatiable desire for more stuff, it will eventually lead to ruin. Okay, enough of the ruin and destruction. What does constitute, what what does contribute to this Zoe living? Paul uses the image of sports. He says, living, living this kind of life isn't passive. You've got to fight the good fight. This requires the energy of a good athlete. It has the same kind of energy as that snatching and taking hold of. Pursue, run after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of, snatch up the eternal life that's there. And here's what you need to take hold of with urgency. This is the key, he says. Do good. Be rich in good works. Generous. And ready to share. My office has a library that's full of wonderful books of theology that I've been collecting through an entire career in this line of work. Books of theology and Bible, the world's best theological thinkers weighing in on the nuances of the Scripture, and they open up nuance in ways that makes it richer for me, and I am indebted to them. Word choices and chiastic structures and the list of pericopes that have the seed metaphors, all the rest. It's valuable. I'm indebted to good scholarship. But when something is really, really important, if you'll notice... The scripture doesn't use much nuance like here. Straight, in your face, clear, nothing you need to kind of work around to figure it out. And I just love the direct economy of, God, of Paul's instruction to us because how the, how the abundant life is lived is too important for nuance. He says, Timothy... If you want to know the key to living fully, do good. Action, vigor, with the energy of an athlete, do good. The people I know who walk with the light bounce of Zoe in their life are the people I know who get up every day looking for some way to contribute to this world and do good, to be rich in good works and generosity. Did you know that there are a group of women in our church who meet every Monday and they take this arrangement and and they break it into smaller vases and they sit around and visit and, and make their arrangements and then they take those vases to church members who might be in the hospital or might be shut in, can't get out, or just might need a lift. There is a Zoe in there that stock portfolios can't do. I mean, what what they get out of that, bigger balances just won't satisfy. 
Did you know we've got a group of people in this church who spend one lunch a week reading to a child at Garden Hills Elementary School? Can you imagine that? One day a week, they go to Garden Hills, sit in those little chairs, and read. And what happens to them is something that swells with a joy that lunch at Chops couldn't come close to. Did you know that we've got senior adults in this church who are physically past being able to volunteer to lead songs at vacation Bible school or, or, or to take mission trips to Miami? But they're so amazingly generous, supporting the mission of this church in every generous way possible. Let me quote Paul again. Thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of, snatch the life that really is life. I heard one of Atlanta's most influential uh, developers speak at Rotary one day, very successful. And he said, and I love this line, I've done well, now it allows me to do good. My hunch is that he's got some Zoe in his life somewhere. Jesus said, I have come. This is the reason. I have come that you might have life. Might have Zoe, life. Life that really is life. I have come that you might have life and have it even more abundantly. And Paul says to his young mentee, if you want in on some of this, do good. He told Timothy, we brought nothing into this world. We are taking nothing when we leave. Do good. Be rich in good works and generosity because what you give away lasts much longer than your life. And besides, it is the only way to start participating in the abundant, eternal, real life right now anyway. You know this is true. You know that giving has a fullness that getting can't touch. You've experienced what it feels like to be fully alive in the service of somebody else. You have experienced the spilling over abundance of giving money to a cause you believe in. And again, this is not about our bank balance. Small gifts are generous gifts and they have an abundance tied to them. Yet still, so often, we just don't. Why, if we know, and we just don't? If we know that hoarding makes us smaller and generosity makes us free, why do we keep choosing a lesser way? Danish theologian Søren Kierkegaard used to tell a story he called the parable of the ducks. In his parable, there's a town where only ducks live. And every Sunday, the ducks waddle out to the duck church. 
They waddle down Main Street. They go to their duck church. They get into the cathedral and they squat down in their pews. The duck choir sings. The duck pastor gets up and preaches and reads from the duck Bible. And the duck pastor in his sermon encourages them saying, Ducks, God has given you wings and with these wings you can fly. With these wings you can rise up and soar like eagles. No walls can confine you. No fences can hold you. You have wings and you can fly like birds. And all the ducks shout, Amen. And then they waddle home. You have an opportunity to experience and live the fullness of eternal life right now. A chance to live this Zoe, to live life that really is life. But it takes the discipline of an athlete. It takes a commitment to generosity. It takes an aggressive snatching of the abundant life that's available through Jesus Christ. You can choose to think about riches differently and stop focusing on how much you can stack up. Stop this frantic pursuit of money. You can soar. You can do good. Be rich in good works, generous and ready to share. Or you can just waddle home. Your call, either way. Let's stand and sing. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponstelian Baptist Church.